0: everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, New Point, I want to welcome each and every one of you, whether you're at one of our six locations or whether you're joining us online. Now, I want you to know that this is my favorite time of year, fall. And it's just been incredible to be able to take in all that God has created and all that God has given us. And uh, I love this season. It's great football season, isn't it? And no matter where you're at, if you're in Ohio, you're rejoicing with me. If you're not, I trust you're enjoying that season, whatever state or whatever country you find yourself in. Now, I want you to know that new point is for you we're for you, we're for your marriage, we're for your family, we're for your community. You see, God has created you and I as people who relate to one another and relate to him. He's created us for relationships and that's why he created the family. He recreated the family to reveal his amazing love. And yet the problem is many times we take it for granted and we've made it a trivial matter, not a matter of principle. And this means that sometimes people see the family as being outdated, maybe unimportant, maybe irrelevant. But the principal design of the family remains just as true, just as valuable when God created it in the beginning of time. And that's why we're in this series called Under My Roof. Because we want you to know, I want you to know that what happens under your roof is more important than what happens under any other roof. What happens under your roof has the potential to have more influence than anything else under any other roof. And so your family, my family, is one thing that you and I cannot outsource. If you and I want to make a difference in this world, and I definitely do, and I'm sure that you do, it begins with what happens under our roof, in our home, with our family. You see, the initial building block of the family is marriage. But here's what I need you to understand. All of you who are single need to understand this, and all of you who are married, you know this. Marriage does not solve your problems. Matter of fact, I would go so strong to say that marriage doesn't create your problems. What marriage does is magnify a problem that's already been in your life, already been in my life as a single adult. Now, there's lots of things that marriages can't do, but it does have a God-designed purpose because God designed it in a special way. And I wanna share that with you today as we look at marriage. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven eleven. 11. But remember that God's plan, and God's plan, men and women need each other. He's saying that we need each other. And whether you're married, or not. If you are a woman, you need some men in your life. If you're a man, guess what? You need some women in your life. You say, Dwight, why is that? It's because none of us have the full, complete image of God. You see, here's the good news. You women, you have part of it. We as men, we have part of it, and we need each other. To be able to display God's full image. God wired us that way. You see, God thought up gender, God thought up sex, God thought up marriage. Isn't he a great God? I mean, he's incredible to think that he would give you and I the gift of all of those things and no other relationship on planet earth, including, listen to me, including a, a, a parent child relationship can adequately illustrate our union with Christ in a way in which a marriage does between a man and a woman. You see, this is the strongest reason why marriage cannot be redefined. This is the strongest reason why we must protect marriage at all costs. Because if you are a Christ follower, if you come to a place of where you have trusted Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, and I trust that you have, you're now the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ in union with Christ. And marriage is that metaphor. And it really doesn't matter what other people think about marriage. It really matters what God has said about marriage. It's not a matter about what the public opinion says or what what they think or whether it's politically correct or incorrect. What really matters is what the designer, what the creator has said. He's the one who invented it. And marriage is a metaphor, it's a symbol. It's walking, living. It's a walking, living object lesson of how much God loves us, and how God wants to relate to us, and how we are to be in relationship with him. You see, marriage is a a model of spiritual profound truth. A spiritual profound truth. And so whatever state you find yourself in, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you're single, whether you're a widow, you know, the Bible tells you and I to honor marriage. Look at what Hebrews has to say. Marriage should be honored by everyone, everyone. Married or not, all of us should honor marriage. Why? Because God created it. And yet today there is such an attack on the institution of marriage. And the devil, your enemy, my enemy, who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, hates marriage and it has to do with what it represents. And so what I wanna do is I I wanna give you three things that marriage represents because it's so important that you and I have a grasp on this because God wants to use your marriage and my marriage to speak to the world. Here's the first thing, marriage represents God's image. God's image. It represents God's image. Just like I said, a man doesn't have the full image of God. A woman does not have the full image of God. It's when we come together that we do. Look at what Matthew records. Jesus is speaking. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, check this out, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined together to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, no doubt if you're married, you had that read in your wedding ceremony. Why? Because marriage represents God's image. Even all the way back to the creation of of marriage, the Genesis writer records, then God said, let us make man, or maybe a better translation would be mankind in our image, according to our likeness. So God created man in his image. And in the image, he created him. He made them what? Male and female. And God is a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And male and female is in the image of God. But not just any male, not just any female, It's when we become husband and wife. You see, when God wanted to create a portrait of himself, he created marriage, created marriage. And that's why Satan hates marriage. That's why he will do everything in his power to destroy your marriage because it represents the image of God here on earth. You know, as I was preparing for this, I came to the realization that Satan did not attack Adam when he was single. Think of that. He only came after Adam, after Eve was taken from his side, and God created her. Wow. You say, why was that? Because I believe that he realized what God was doing, that God was creating male and female, and they would come together as husband and wife, and that God would be at the center, and it would represent the image of God. You see, he wasn't afraid of just a man. It's when the man and the woman comes together that frightened him, because that's when God's image showed up. And it bothered, it angered Satan. You see, God is a triune God. That means he's three in one. And if you see God, you see one God. But if you look closely, you see three people make him up, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's the way that marriage works. It's a cord of, of, of three strands that's not easily, what? Broken, you have the husband, the wife, and then you have Christ. You see, here's what I want you to understand. Marriage represents God's image. And so when family and friends are around those of us who are Christ followers, who are married, they should leave us with a lot of questions. They should say something like this. That was amazing. (laughs) I I saw something that I can't really explain. I'll try to explain it, but I, I probably won't do a very good job. I saw two individuals who were different, and yet they seemed like they were one. They were completely different. But there was so much unity between them that they seemed as though they were one. You see, marriage is made up of unity and equality with order. And you know what? The world knows nothing of that. The world says, How can that be? How can that be if there's a leader? How, how, how can that happen if there's a leader? Well, what happens is, you ever experienced dancing, maybe ballroom dancing? You know, they're together, but guess what? They're in unity. They're in form. Why? Because they have mutual submission. And so marriage is three in one. It's the husband. It's the wife. And it is Christ at the center. And there's mutual submission. Now, if you're single, you might be wondering, Dwight, I'm I'm single. How, How do I represent God? well, Jesus did it for 33 years. Look to him, follow him. And so marriage represents God's image. Here's the second thing. Marriage represents Christ and the church. Marriage represents Christ and the church. Now, this is so important that Paul quotes Jesus. When he writes this in Ephesians chapter five, verses thirty-one and thirty-three, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become what one flesh. He goes on to say, "This is a profound mystery." But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Wow. You see, here we have it. The husband, the wife together with Christ at the center represents the Trinity. And so as a husband, all right, you represent Christ. As a woman, you represent the church. And husbands, what we need to realize is this, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So if you, listen to me, if you have friends who don't know Jesus, You should show them how God loves them by the way in which you love your wife, by the way in which you treat her. You see, if you talk down to your wife, if if you abuse her, if you order her around, if you boss her, if you belittle her, then what happens is you're giving a misrepresentation of who God is. And your friends won't want that. But if they see you loving her, honoring her, serving her, helping her, being gentle with her, being forgiving with her, then you know what? It'll raise questions. And when they ask you about God, you can say, well, you know what, my friend? God loves you and me the way in which I love my wife. And in doing so, you will represent Christ in a way that, that, that speaks to their heart. And ladies, guess what? when your friends maybe would ask you, you know, you you say you have this relationship with God. How do you talk to him? How do you have conversation with him? You need to be able to say, well, watch how I relate to my husband. You know, I talk to him and I honor him and I respect him and I bless him. And even when he's not around, I represent him in a right way because I prize him. And I love him with all of my heart. And so I I don't speak ill of him. I I, I don't speak down to him. I I don't criticize him. And see what happens is what you're doing is you're modeling and you're showing for your family and for your friends. This is how God relates to us. This is how God converse with us. And so marriage represents God's image. It represents Christ and the church here on earth. And then finally, it represents God's covenant. It represents God's covenant. Are you you getting a grasp on how important marriage is? Listen to me, if you're married, it's the greatest gift that you can give your children. It's more important than an education. It's more important than a car. It's more important than any of those because your your marriage is representing God's image to them. Your marriage is representing Christ and the church to them. Your your marriage is is representing God's covenant to them. It's, It's his image here on earth. Now in Malachi, God tells the people, that he's not accepting their offerings. He's not accepting their sacrifice because their faith, their family, their offerings are out of order. And God basically tells the people, and he says this through his prophet Malachi. Here's what he says. He says, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. Check this out with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Covenant. You say, Dwight, what's a covenant? Well, let me just explain to you the difference between a covenant and a contract, all right? Because what happens is too many people get into a marriage and they have prenups, that's, that's a contract. And here's what a, a, a contract is. In a contract, we what? We protect our rights, y'all okay? <laughs> and we limit our responsibilities. Sad to say, that's what most marriages are. That, that, that's why we have a hard time communicating to a world about who God truly is. But in a covenant, okay, we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. And you might say, Dwight, what, what responsibilities do we pick up in a covenant? Well, let me give you three of them. The first one is love, just love. I assume the responsibility to love you as Christ has loved me. what Jesus say? A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And so I'm not there to justify any action or any word that falls short of that standard. I, I am there to love you as Christ has loved me, not as my dad loved me, not as my mom loved me, but as he loves me. That's the covenant. And then honor, to be able to honor, to assume responsibility, to, to, to honor my, my spouse, my, 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 my wife, or maybe your husband, and do everything possible to support and encourage and bless so that they can reach their highest potential and they can be able to live out God's will and God's plan for their life. And then the third one is mutual submission. I I just assume responsibility to serve my spouse. First and foremost, by submitting myself to God, to his lordship, and by surrendering, not only to his lordship, but surrendering to his word for the standard of how I relate, how I live my life, how I do marriage, how I I do family. I say this is the example that you and I are to set as married couples. And so what happens is if somebody asks you about God, How can I know God? And how can I know that he keeps his promises? You can say, well, look at my relationship with my wife. Or if you're a woman, you can say, look at my relationship with my husband. We keep our promises. We keep our promises. We fulfill them through thick and through thin. You see, there's two types of of covenants that occur in the uh, scripture. One is a bilateral covenant. And that is this, you hold your end of the deal and I'll hold my end of the deal. But if you don't hold your end of the deal, I'm not gonna hold my end of the deal. Sound familiar? And so that's the bilateral. The unilateral covenant is much different. It comes from one person. And that one person says, if I fail, it's on me. If you fail, it's on me. And it's an unconditional promise. It's the greatest promise that has ever been made. And it's the promise that the Lord Jesus Christ has made to you and me. And here's what he says, I will never what? Leave you and I will never forsake you. And so marriage, we have this covenant, richer or poorer, sickness and in health, for better or worse, until what? Until death do us part. And that's what marriage is. Even if my spouse doesn't keep their end of the bargain, quote unquote, covenant, I'm gonna keep my end and I'm gonna tell the world, this is who God is. Even when we fail, even when we miss the mark, he loves us and he is committed to us that he's a covenant keeping God. Now you might be here today and you might be saying, Dwight, that's good, but I'm single. Well, I hope you know now how important marriage is. It's the most important decision that you will make apart from accepting Jesus Christ. And what I wanna do as we close here, I wanna share with you some things that that you need to give close attention to because here's what I want you to know. Marriage represents God's image, Christ in the church, and God's covenant. And it has a profound impact on your family and everything that will happen underneath your roof. Now, here's what I know. Every one of us is broken. Some people are more broken than others, but here's what you need to understand. You need to understand that the person that you choose to commit your life to in marriage is the most important decision that you will ever make. And so no matter how good-looking they are, no matter how wealthy they are, no matter how educated they are, no matter how popular they are, no matter how much they make you laugh, that's not a good enough reason to get married because marriage is about someone going in the same direction. Do you realize, I was doing some reading, that 80% of all separations and divorce happen because of emotional unhealth on one party or the other? Or both. And so when you are looking for a partner, a husband or wife, there are certain factors that you need to take in account. And if you're married, you need to take this in account with your friends because the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your friendships. And so let me give them to you. Stay away from a person who is stuck in an addiction. That's right. Stay away from a person who is stuck in an addiction. Look what it says here in Proverbs 3, 23, 20. Don't associate with people who drink too much wine or stuff themselves with food. Now, there's only two things that's mentioned here, okay? One is alcohol, the other one is food, but we can become addicted to many, many things. And so what he is saying is, you know what? If, if, if he's an addict, you wanna you want stay away from him. You wanna stay away from him. Here's the second thing, and that is this, harboring bitterness and anger. Stay away from anyone who harbors bitterness and anger. You see, what? listen, whatever you resent, you begin to resemble. And so you don't want somebody who is resentful. You have to, you have to release that. You have to forgive. Hebrews tells us this. Guard against turning back from the grace of God. Let no one become like a bitter plant that grows up and causes many troubles with its poison. Wow. And Proverbs goes on to say this, don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. And so no matter how good looking they are, no matter how wealthy they are, no matter how popular they are, stay away from them. Let me give you another one. Stay away from someone who is selfish or greedy. Selfish or greedy. Proverbs tells us this, greed brings grief to the whole family. Wow. You see, if you marry someone who is greedy, listen, you'll always be in financial trouble. You'll always be in debt because what happens is they will just want more and more and more and more and more. And so you want to stay away from that. Now, what do you want to look for? What do you want to look for in that partner, that husband, that wife, or even that friend? Here's what you want to look for. You want to look for someone who is generous and kind. Generous and kind. Proverbs tells us this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will what? Be refreshed themselves. And he goes on in Proverbs. He says, those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring what? Ruin On themselves. Say you 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 want you wanna you wanna marry someone who is generous, who's kind. You want friends who are generous and kind. And then secondly, look for a person who is honest and trustworthy. Honest and trustworthy. Proverbs says this: a righteous person lives on the basis of his integrity. Blessed are his children after he is gone. Wow. See, love is based on trust, and trust is based on truth. And if you don't tell the truth, then you can't be trusted. And if I can't trust you, how am I going to fully be able to love you? So you want to find somebody who's honest, who tells the truth, even when it hurts, and they're trustworthy. And then finally, you want to be able to look for a person who shares your values, who shares your values. Here's what Proverbs has to say. Do not try to work together as equals with unbelievers, people who don't have the same values as you. For it cannot be done. How can a right and wrong be partners? How can light and darkness live together? You see, listen, marriage is a bond. Different values equals different goals. And it's better for you, listen to me, all of you singles, it's better wishing you were married than to be married wishing you were single. And if you are married, I want to remind you that your marriage is given witness to your kids and to your family, your extended family, and to your friends, either an accurate view of who God is or a distorted view. You see, here's what I believe, my friends. The biggest issue with the church in America isn't whether or not the right person is in the White House. Y'all okay? The biggest issue in the American church and the biggest issue that we face is whether or not we're representing who God truly is in our marriage and in our families. Listen, some of us, you know what we need to do? We, we need to have a family conference. We need to bring the kids around. And we, we need to acknowledge that we haven't represented God very well. And we need to ask him to forgive us. And we need to say, hey, you know what? It's our goal to be able to do it, even if your kids are out of the house. Because you know what? The stakes are high. Because it's under our roof that we give our children either a distorted view of God or an accurate view of God. You know what? I have found out that they're pretty gracious and they're pretty willing when a father, a mother, are willing to be able to humble themselves and say, hey, you know what? Here's where we've gotten it wrong and we need you to forgive us because God is good and God is great and God is generous, and those of you who are single, listen to me, listen to me. Be patient, don't lower your standards, because marriage, marriage represents the image of God. It represents Christ in his church. It represents God's covenant. Would you pray with me? Maybe today you don't know the creator of marriage. Maybe that's the issue. He's not the center of your life, so he's not the center of your marriage. So your marriage is fragile. It's failing. Today, you can take a step towards healing and hope by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can pray a simple yet life-transforming prayer. God, as much as I know how and as much as I understand, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be the center of my life, the center of our marriage, the center of our family. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit so that I can live out your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org slash app. There you can find all those same resources, just in a mobile version. We wanna say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.